God has been so wild lately. He doesn't seem to listen. He doesn't obey my commands, and we can't even bribe him with trees. He's gotten so out of hand, he may even have to be put down. God is not the problem here. The problem is the people who want to be the leader of the pack. We reintroduce God. We retrain people. You're listening to The God Whisperers. Hi, welcome to The God Whisperers. I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I'm Bill Swirla. And Bill's on remote from (laughs) the happy north of California. Northern California, beautiful Menlo Park, California, actually. Uh, Just uh, finished Thanksgiving dinner with my brother and his family. So we're doing a special Skype edition in addition to a Thanksgiving edition. This is brought to you by Skype today. Yes, I uh, let my belt buckle out one more notch tonight. Oh, my. And uh, I have a happy and full tummy. <laughs> wonderful. Let's uh, uh, do a little housekeeping here. Yeah, and let's then, do uh, that. Uh, area code 626-593-7713 if you want to leave a message for the God Whisperers. That spells what, Bill? That's Manly Doctors 13. And I, let me just tell you, it's a thrill as one of the Manly Doctors, to uh, be calling on Manly Doctors 13. Quite quite an interesting experience. Yes. Now you know how the other half lives. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Although I I miss seeing your face. I don't know why, but it's just not the same, Craig. It's it's a thing of beauty. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't say that. I just said I'm... (laughs) Yeah, I miss looking at you, but uh, we're gonna we're gonna muddle along the best we can here on Skype and uh, and see how this goes. It's about the only way we could get a Thanksgiving edition out. So yeah, we, we've had some bad. real technical difficulties along the way today. So I'm, well, I'm we should we should add that there was a pre-dinner recording that didn't come out. Yeah, and so now this is the post-dinner recording where everybody's really lethargic. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, we polished off five bottles of wine over the course wow. of the afternoon and evening here, and. Uh, but yeah, it was paced. It was paced, okay, and uh, uh, marvelous. I, I want to talk about the menu a little bit, but uh, before that, if you want to email us, it's at godwhispers at gmail.com. And of course, the website, uh, godwhispers.com or .org. .org is actually the true site. And uh, feel free to leave your comments and other things there. Uh, really enjoying interacting with the comments stream. And I think that's added a new dimension to the show. I really appreciate uh, all the uh, comments and things that come in there. Either way, uh, .com.org, you end up at the same place. Same place. That's right. And there's, there's been a lot of good bacon discussion going on. Oh, hey, was, was bacon involved at all today in, in your day? Did, 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 did bake, was bacon a factor? That's, that's one I must confess about. it was not. You had a bacon-free I, I Thanksgiving. I did. I missed a little, uh, <laughs> little bacon. Man, after all the talk about bacon, you have a bacon-free Thanksgiving. I know. I had a bacon ice cream recipe. I had Man. a, a bacon-covered turkey recipe. I, I had it all, but unfortunately, I, just... I wasn't providing. Thanksgiving. I just brought the my fresh peach uh, crisp that I made. Yes, yes, and you must tell us about that peach yes. crisp. But uh, we did get that in the earlier uh, version of this episode, and uh, it's a Harry and David uh, source, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to Harry and David's the other day, and I, I got a box of the Riviera pears, which are just magnificent and juicy and sweet. And the lady there said that they wouldn't be ripe until after Thanksgiving. And uh, by the way, if you buy one box, you get the second one for half off. So how could I say no? Oh, yeah. So I got two boxes of these big old pears, and I got them home, and they were 
ripe then. And I said, oh, I better do something with this. Got online, found some really interesting pear recipes, and uh, ended up finding this pear crisp. Gave it a test run last night. It was phenomenal. And so I decided that's what I was doing today. So baked a big thing of pear crisp, got about half eaten, and I have the rest in the fridge. So we're going to be pear crisping it for a while. Beautiful. Yeah, nothing says fall to me like pears. Oh yeah, delicious stuff. That is that is the the smell and the taste of fall is is and, and good apples too, but but pears in particular. Um, yeah, we have we we of course we flew up uh, this morning. We had services last night and uh, flew up this morning as is our custom. My wife and I fly up from uh, Southern California to my brother's uh, family up in Northern California. Uh, in Menlo Park, and uh, we we brought along a couple of uh, my wife's uh, stellar pumpkin pies, which she was up last night making, and uh, I even had a uh, a small custard dish of pie baked pie filling for breakfast this morning to kind of prime the pump. Uh, yeah, you know how I'm with pumpkin pie, and uh, it was it was magnificent. I did manage to get some bacon in at a Carl's Jr.'s at the airport. My wife grabbed one of those uh, one of those croissant breakfast sandwiches, and of course it had bacon in it. And so, so I did have a little taste of bacon. And I came to discover uh, that the dressing uh, for tonight's meal uh, had pancetta uh, in it, which is just really another form of bacon, isn't it's, it? Yeah, Italian bacon. Italian bacon. That's right. So, so yeah I, yeah, I noticed we were kind of messing with the dressing, and I was looking at that, and I said, you know, is there bacon in this? And, and she said, uh, Barb is her name. She said, uh, no, no, it was pancetta. I said, that's close enough for me. <laughs> uh, it was a pancetta French chestnut Parmesan uh, dressing. Truly, truly remarkable. Um, but it was the bird that stood out. Uh, we, she got one of these. She likes getting these free-range, hormone-free, grain-fed, uh, you know, get to watch cable at night kind of turkeys. And pampered, uh, pampered turkeys. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're you know they're smaller than the the sort of the bloated, uh, hormone-crazed uh, beast that you 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 buy uh, the butterball beast that you buy. But really good, very 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 flavorful and tender. But but she was she was doing a a Bobby Flay, you know, and, and in my book, anything by Bobby Flay just rocks. Uh, well, yeah, it's good but, barbecue but, kind uh, of stuff. Holy mackerel! But she she did this pepper pomegranate molasses glazed turkey and it uses a uh, an ingredient called pomegranate molasses that's not two ingredients that's one okay it's some molasses made out of pomegranate juice oh wow my goodness man does that give you that 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 gives you color and flavor and like you wouldn't believe so so yeah it was it was it was stellar in fact i have a nice picture of that up on my facebook page you know (laughs) i'll have to check it out later I'm, I'm going to uh, have to put a disclaimer on this program. What's I'm, that? I'm here sitting here doing this this recording with you, and uh, I'm burping about every 15 seconds. So <laughs> if, if I let one rip, I'm just I'm just warning everyone: don't don't sit too close to your speakers. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know that's program. that's the danger with the post dinner recording. We yeah. had a good idea, you know, recording pre dinner. We were fresh. We were. You know, I was excited. I just gotten off the plane and everything was cool. And now, you know, turkey makes you sleepy, and, oh, yeah. and I'm just I'm just. Yeah. But but we're gonna do this because Thanksgiving is important. Uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite kind of mixed. It's a mixed holiday holy day. You know, and we'll t- right. I want to talk about yeah. that a little bit as the hour goes on. Is what part of it is holiday and what part of it is holy day, 
and uh, you know, and lots of good customs. And I, I, I think I'd like to sort of hit on some of the the uh, Thanksgiving hymns that come about. They're sort of interesting, and I think they make an interesting theological point. So uh, you know, that's kind of what's on my mind today. Well, we'll get in all sorts of good stuff today, as well as uh, the origins of Thanksgiving and and how all this came about and and all that good stuff, also. So stay tuned. We'll we'll be talking about that. Here. <laughs> Are we signing off already? No, or is no, that... <laughs> no. You know, there's a there's a, if, if people want to kind of get the lowdown on Thanksgiving, I, um, the Wikipedia actually has a decent 15 page article. I, well, it depends how many how small the print it uses, but for me, but it's it'd be quite about ex- 40 pages. Yeah, it was, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's a quite an extensive article, and and I think really um, it it outlines the development uh, that's brought us to where we are today uh, in in the celebration of Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize that it it wasn't until 1941 that uh, the present day Thanksgiving uh, took shape as a federal holiday and really as a national day of Thanksgiving uh, uh, by joint act of Congress. And uh, that joint act was was based on uh, a presidential proclamation of President Lincoln uh, at the uh, near the end of the Civil War. So he, that uh, he uh, um, he he issued a proclamation back in November of 1863. Um, I believe at the instigation of a woman named Sarah Josepha Hale. I think you know something about right, her. Yeah. That, yeah, she was an interesting character. She was she was kind of the Martha Stewart of her day. Uh, she had a <laughs> what, magazine, macrame, and uh, and other things. Well, just good, in her nice decorations. Yeah, in, in her magazine, she had a lot of that sort of thing. And seriously, uh, telling people, you know, women. It was it was a magazine actually geared toward the homemaker, and showing you what platters you use for what, and and a lot of advice on how to make your your Thanksgiving feast, real homey and kind of, you know, just real special and uh, very Martha Stewart-esque. And she, every year, would petition her congressman, her governor, and and her president. Uh, She would actually petition a lot of different governors, I guess, to make this a national holiday and to actually declare it to be the day of Thanksgiving and so forth and so on. And uh, it was really kind of because of the divisions in the North and the South that Lincoln finally came around and kind of had this idea that at least we can all agree on one thing, that we should give thanks to God for the wonderful benefits that we've had in this country. And so yeah, he, he, kind of, he kind of did this sort of thing, and the South didn't really appreciate it a whole lot. But is that is that a fact that the South didn't didn't take to the idea, or are you just making that up? No, that's what the History Channel said the other day. Anyway, truly, yeah, you know, because I wondered about that when you, when you look at Lincoln's proclamation, and I'd like to read uh, it's it's not that long, um, but I'd like to read it because I think it's a very interesting text. But if you read it against the backdrop of the Civil War, and you recognize that Lincoln was really you know, he was in it to preserve uh, federal government and the presidency um, over and against the sovereignty of the state. You, you begin to wonder uh, how enthusiastic the South would have been with such a proclamation, because it's it's kind of well, we you know, we all want to we all want to get together and be a union. We want to be unified mm-hmm. at, in this, <laughs> and they're they're thinking like hell, we do. <laughs> so <laughs> not so, on your terms, kinda, anyway. 
Exactly. It's, yeah. it's kind of interesting to, to read that history of Thanksgiving over and against the, the history of the Civil War and the different perspectives mm. of, of state sovereignty versus sovereignty of the, the Union and the federal government, um, you know, leaving aside the slavery issue. And, and uh, so I, I think this proclamation has, you hear it in the undertones of it, but I'm fascinated about Lincoln's proclamation because I'm not accustomed to hearing presidents and other high government officials speak in these terms. Hmm. Uh, not today. I, you, don't, you don't hear this kind of God talk today. And so uh, you mind if I read it? I've got it no, in front of me here. Please do. Uh, we, we, we need to tear up some time, so knock yourself out. <laughs> Apparently, the, the words are not Lincoln's, uh, but they're the words of Secretary of State William Seward. Uh, and the original was uh, written in his own handwriting, and uh, the manuscript was later sold uh, to benefit Union troops. So uh, go figure there. So these are, are not actually Lincoln's words, but they, they come basically under his hand as his Thanksgiving proclamation. Um, and I want to add before, before I read this that it's not unusual for presidents in the past to have issued Thanksgiving proclamations. Uh, that, that practice goes back all the way to George Washington. Uh, who, but this was an annual thing. Every year they would issue some kind of uh, call to national Thanksgiving. And uh, every president thereafter did that, except for Jefferson, interestingly. He, he did not uh, uh, issue any days of, or days of national Thanksgiving in his terms. But Madison and Adams did. And, uh, and then it became sort of a standard thing. Um, but what we celebrate is really an act of Congress in 1941, which formalized the thing. But, uh, but here's, uh, here's Lincoln's address, uh, or his proclamation. Uh, he, he says, the year that is drawing towards its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come, others have been added, which are of so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart, which is habitually insensible to the ever-watchful providence of Almighty God. In the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations, order has been maintained, the laws have been respected and obeyed, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. While that theater has been greatly contracted by the advancing armies and navies of the Union, there's that uh, union sort of bias there. Yeah. Needful diversions of wealth and of strength from the fields of peaceful industry to the national defense have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders of our settlements, and the mines, as well as of iron and coal, as of the precious metals, have yielded even more abundantly than heretofore. Population has steadily increased, notwithstanding the waste that has been made in the camp, the siege in the battlefield, and the country rejoicing in the consciousness of augmented strength and vigor is permitted to expect continuance of years with large increase of freedom. No human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly 
reverently and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all those who become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation and to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and, capital U, union. And uh, that's kind of the gist of it. You know, I find it interesting at the end of that. I, I begin to wonder whether this call to repentance is a call to repentance from the South. <laughs> you that, know, that's a good question. For creating this lamentable civil strife, which we're <laughs> unavoidably engaged. You know, you really wonder, uh, you know, what, what the backdrop of that is. But uh, there you have it. It's a fascinating speech. And, and uh, you know, a few things jumped out at me. Uh, and this whole thing, most high God, you know, acknowledging that there's a God, not the God of your making or the God of your choosing or, or anything like that. And, and, you know, of course, there's no reference to Christ, so we're not sure who this God is. And, but there is talk of sin and mercy in here. And so yes, there, there, is. there, there seems to be a sense that we as a country have stuff that we need to repent of. And uh, well, there is a call to repentance again in this, and I think it stood out for me more in the second reading than later or earlier this afternoon when we were trying this. Is that I wonder, <laughs> I wonder exactly who he's got in mind with this this repentance and what the great national sin was. Yeah. Uh, whether it was the sin of national schism that's uh, on his mind, uh, because certainly my understanding of the history is that Lincoln was very devoted to the sovereignty, sovereignty of the federal government and the strength, the sovereign strength of the presidency. And, uh, and so one wonders whether uh, he's uh, imploring the divine hand to, uh, you know, bring an end to this and bring, bring about the, the union again uh, in the terms he's looking for. But yeah. uh, it's, all, it's all part and parcel of the Thanksgiving thing, you know, and it, it, our, our, our practice of Thanksgiving goes back to this, uh, this particular proclamation. And as I said, the, form, the formalizing of it in 1941 uh, by Congress. Um, and, you know, like so many of the founding fathers and the, and the fathers of our country in general, it's very Unitarian, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and, you know, uh, it's, not, it's not the triune God. It, there's no mention of Christ. Right. Uh, it is, it's a, the kind of proclamation that would, that would sit well on the ears of any, you know, any basic monotheist, I think. <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, it's very Unitarian. And then I find, and this, this may sound strange, but I find Thanksgiving to be a rather Unitarian sort of holiday. Hmm. Why do you say that? What do you mean by that? Well, it, look at look at look at the hymns for for Thanksgiving. Um, uh, I don't know if you do you have your hymnal over there yeah, uh, handy. Yeah. I, I know you did before. Let me open it. Um, but but there are only a handful of uh, Harvest and Thanksgiving hymns, uh, and uh, 
they are in LSB. They go from 892 through 895, I think. So there's only there's only a handful. Yeah, 895. Right, right. And if you look at if you look at them, you really have to squint and look hard to see anything beyond the first article. Yeah, isn't that interesting? No, no real mention of Jesus in uh, at least 892. Yeah, 892. Come, you think? Just skimming it. Um, which, which I remember, you know, I, I remember learning in public grade school as a, as a you know, Thanksgiving hymn. But that one is quite, yeah, that's, that's the Harvest Hymn, and it's really quite, uh, although it has allusions to the gospel, uh-huh. talking about thy final harvest and gathering thy people in, you know, Jesus speaking of, of the, uh, the, his, his second coming as, as a, a harvest, um, and also allusions to some parables of Jesus, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn shall appear. But nonetheless, um, you know, this kind of hymn could be sung by, by uh, you know, anybody who believes in a generic God. Yeah, sure. I think uh, so. Now, I'm not faulting it. I, I'm just, just pointing that out. I, I, I think certainly Christians can sing it, uh, but it needs to be sung, of course, in a, in a fuller context of, of the Trinitarian revelation of God. Um, 893, Sing to the Lord of Harvest. We sang this one last night. Uh, in stanza three, it does refer to um, the, the uh, bring to the sacred altar the gifts his goodness gave, the golden sheaves of harvest, the souls Christ died to save. So, so it, it, uh, it, it does recognize in the third stanza uh, that there's a spiritual dimension beyond the first article, and mm-hmm. there's a salvation dimension as well. Uh, 894, for the fruits of his creation, uh, I believe if you go down to stanza three, you'll see for the harvest of the spirit, thanks be to God, uh, for the good we all inherit. But that's really about it. It's, it's just kind of a real sideways uh, mention. Well, and that could be read as the spirit of man, you know, or mm, giving us well, spirit. Well, I mean, the, 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 the text is capitalized. Uh, okay. um, and, but, but, you know, it goes on to, you know, for the wonders that astound us, the truths that still confound us. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, 895 is a Lutheran hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, with an interesting, interesting history. Uh, and the mention of, of the sun comes in the doxological stanza. Yeah, stanza God, three. The Father, the Son, and Him who reigns with them in highest heaven. Um, and uh, I don't think, the, does the Spirit get short shrifted? Yes, He does. Oh, poor Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, even though this was written by a Lutheran pastor in the 17th century during the horrible period of the Thirty Years' War, and it's a great hymn. Uh, based, by the way, on some text from the Apocrypha, no less. It's, it's, uh, uh, it, it really isn't very Christocentric or Christological. Uh, it is very first article, harvest, um, you know, thanksgiving to God for his blessings. Um, although this, this kind of moves much further uh, in terms of the spiritual blessings as well. What's interesting about this hymn is Martin Rinkert wrote it pretty much have, having buried his entire town. Uh, you know, I mean, that's basically all he did was funerals uh, with the devastations of the Thirty Years' War. And, I mean, he lost everybody. And uh, to be able to uh, write a hymn that, that goes, Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices, who wondrous things has done in whom his world rejoices, set against the backdrop of the Thirty Years' War is quite a, quite a stark contrast. Now, that's the Thanksgiving that comes from faith. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Reminds me of Habakkuk, you know, when the fig tree doesn't produce and when, when the crops fail and when the herds are thin, you know, nevertheless, I, I will rejoice in God, my Savior. <laughs> you know, that's, a, that's much more of a Habakkuk-style Thanksgiving, but, but it is, it's a fine hymn. But my point is that the Thanksgiving as a holiday, holy day, really is kind of centered in the first article. Very interesting. I, I'm looking through the hymnal here, and I, I thought that it made it into the new hymnal, uh, Praise and Thanksgiving. Oh, oh, the, the one, the, the one. Um, the, the Cat that, Stevens uh, song. Well, that wasn't, though. Yeah, that was written by a nun. Morning Has Broken. That was written yeah. by a nun. Um, yeah, it's, it's actually 789. It's not in the Oh, it's not in that section, though. Right. No, they, it's moved into, of all things, stewardship. Oh, that's weird. Uh, praise and thanksgiving, Father, we offer for all things living, created good. Um, and, you know, again, this is more like a table prayer or, you know, they have it under stewardship. I, I don't know why. Hmm. But, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's very, if you'll pardon the expression, it's very Unitarian in, 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 in nature. Um, now, I'll tell you one that isn't, and I think one that probably should be restored to the Thanksgiving table is feed thy children God most holy. I mean, if you want to sing a good hymn at table, uh, it's feed thy children God most holy. That's 774 in LSB. I was just about to ask you. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, see, that one, that a single stanza, um, this one is really, really good. Now, it's in the prayer section. Again, I know not why. Um, but I think this is one that could be taught the children, should be taught the children as a table song. But, you know, feed thy children, God most holy, comfort sinners poor and lowly. O thou bread of life from heaven, bless the food thou here hast given. As these gifts the body nourish, may our souls and graces flourish. Till with saints in heavenly splendor at thy feast, do thanks we render. Now, boy, I'll tell you, that bundles it all together, doesn't it? Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, I'll, I mean, take it. But it does, here's what's cool about it. it. It unites the Lord's table and our tables. So I, you know I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I'm sorry I'm distracted. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But uh, see, that's why we don't have eye contact here. Right, I don't know what you're. Right. But but you see, it it unites the just like that little table prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. You know, come, Lord Jesus, is the Maranatha of of the Eucharistic prayers. That's what we pray uh, in in the in the divine service at right. the Lord's Supper. And uh, and see now that comes and it filters home to our tables as the Lord has come to His table to bless us. So we invite Him to come to our table in blessing too. But there's a, there's a kind of a unity, and I think 774 feed thy children is just just a stellar example of how you combine the second article of redemption and the first article of creation, and you don't divide them. So uh, I, I think this is an antidote to some of those Thanksgiving hymns. And yet it's still a little thin on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Isn't that always the case, though? <laughs> remember, remember our professor, Dr. Nagel, the poor Holy Spirit. Nobody ever gives him any attention, and he <laughs> likes it that way. Yes, he does. <laughs> He's <laughs> pleased. It's, I always it's all like, about... to, like to point out that the Holy Spirit is like a, a spotlight shining on Jesus all the time. And Absolutely. When... It's all about Christ. Right. And so he's directing us to Jesus because that's the God that we have seen to our faces and the God that we know that has saved us. And 
Uh, so that's kind of the work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus. Hey, we've got about uh, five seconds left here. So Oh, well, then why don't you take us out and we'll uh, pick it up in the second half. Right. We'll be right back after this. To the God Whispers, I'm Craig D'Onofrio. And I am Bill Swirla digesting. <laughs> During the break, I was just saying, I, I feel like I'm kind of breathing heavy here from the full oh. belly and everything. Man, I'm telling you, it's I am I am burdened. I am heavily burdened here. This is uh it's you know, our original idea was to record this before dinner, which is really wise because yeah. uh, turkey being high in I believe tryptophan um makes you sleepy. And uh fortunately I had a cup of genuine coffee before we went on here. So I'm <laughs> with my pumpkin pie, it is not it is not Thanksgiving without pumpkin pie. Now, there are those who say that the uh, tryptophan in Turkey is not enough to actually put you to sleep, but I have to differ with them. You know, I, was, I actually took a nap before dinner. This, the, uh, I, I, I was sitting on the couch, and I nodded off, and I woke up, and nobody was in the house. I, 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 thought, the, <laughs> I thought the rapture had occurred. <laughs> You've uh, been left behind. Yeah, well, at least there was a turkey in the oven, so I had provisions. But but uh, but no, there was nobody. The the my uh, my sister in law was out in the back playing with the dog. Uh, my wife went for a walk with my brother, and uh, and there I was, you know, just on the couch snoring. So, but that was a pre dinner nap. So this was a new strategy on my part: is just you know take a nap before you even start. So I'm feeling pretty good right now, but. Uh, we we had we had a we just had a stellar dinner. I, I described the the turkey, but uh, we, in in addition, my brother always makes the swirl of family applesauce, fresh applesauce. Can't get enough of that. Tomorrow for breakfast, I'm having that applesauce mixed with cranberry dressing and a slice of pumpkin pie. Mm. That's my Thanksgiving morning breakfast. And then by 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 our deep tradition up here in Northern California, for dinner we go to Chef Chu's. Szechuan Chinese, one of the finest restaurants I know of, and uh, that's our that's our Friday, our Black Friday uh, uh, dinner is <laughs> Chef Chu's. No, we don't go shopping. I think we're going out to Pinnacles National Monument to try to walk some of this stuff off tomorrow. <laughs> I uh, I saw on uh, TV over at my brother's house this evening that uh, at Sears there's a big tire sale. And uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's opening yeah, at 4 a.m. You know, and, I, I'm just thinking that 3.30 in the morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and say, you know, I need tires. Yeah, who in their right mind goes and buys tires at 4 a.m.? I just got to get some tires, man. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that's just, man, that's bizarre. Very now, wrong. We usually, try to, we usually try to do something out in, in nature and walk it off. I'm telling you, the color out here has been fabulous. I, I took a little walking tour around, and, and I was... Um, 
just snapping pictures of the leaves. And, and uh, this rivals some of the stuff I have seen in the east. Yeah. We're having a stellar color season out here in California, and it, it makes me into a liar when I keep whining about there's no autumn color. we got some beautiful color, and up here it's spectacular. So, well, uh, you know. Down here in Southern California, you know, we, we have two seasons, the brown season and the green season. I thought it was dry and not quite as dry. Well, yeah, but the deal is here when the rest of the country, you know, all the leaves have fallen off the trees and everything's brown, that's when we're green. And then out here when everybody else is green in the summertime, we're brown. So Yeah, though we do have reverse. our share of we we have our share of deciduous trees that do put on the color display. I mean, we have some nice maples and that too. We don't have the spectacular hillsides like they do in the east, but uh no. Um, I'll tell you, uh, my brother's got, his neighbor across the street has what I think is the most perfect maple I have ever seen. Huh. And it is, it is just on fire right now. Uh, it, it, it's, dry, it's dropped very few of its leaves, and it is the brightest orange red I've ever seen. And I, I, I think I snapped about 50 pictures of that thing just in the, in the, the late uh, afternoon sun. It is just glorious. So I was about to say, I'm sure we'll see some of those on Facebook, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll see plenty of that. My whole life, just kind of, uh, at least the, the the part I share with public is always up on Facebook. <laughs> so what what you guys have? What what was what's the highlight of your dinner? You know, my brother just he did a basic turkey in the oven and uh, uh-huh. turned out excellent. He didn't have any special glaze that I know of or anything, but no pomegranate molasses. N- over nothing there. like that. But the white meat was tender and juicy, oh, and, and so he did it just right. He, he nailed it. He didn't and, do it in one of those cooking bags, did he? I don't think so, no. <laughs> and uh, he, he, my sister-in-law made all the fixings, the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and the gravy. and. So you yeah. had a very traditional, yeah, non-Italian I mean, kind of. No, I, I no, no, nothing Italian. I was, I was expecting, uh, you know, your side of the family, at least a lasagna or something, <laughs> you know, just kind of a throw-in. Maybe a lasagna stuffed turkey, uh, you know. <laughs> that you actually know, sounds uh, pretty good. Oh, you know, now that I said that. I think man, you're onto something. You know, next year, we're looking. At least, <laughs> at least, at least maybe a nice carbonara stuffed. Yeah. You know, some pasta dish. That, ooh, that, you know. That's got some potential right there. File that away. We've got something going there. And we had about uh, four or five different kinds of pies and cookies and, of course, the pear crisp that I made. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, one of the problems here is my niece made these cookies, and they were a little bigger than a silver dollar. Okay. And uh, they were sugar cookies and chocolate chip cookies, and they were really good. But the problem is every time you walk by, it's real easy to just grab one and say, well, it's so small. And the next thing you know, you've eaten like, you know, eight or ten of them or something. Yeah, like you that. pounded a dozen and you're just feeling sick at that. Right, right. But but they're so you know, small. But if they were big cookies, you'd say, oh, just one. But, you know, since they're so small, it's it's really easy. It it really is about the food, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when, 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 when all said and done, I, I, I think the, uh, the, the whole nature of the holiday is it's about the food. And you know, I, used to, I used to have problems with that and, and, and not rail against it, but, but always kind of point out, no, you know, it's not about eating and drinking and stuff. But the more I think about it, the more I think that Thanksgiving really is about eating and drinking. And, and in, in, in the sense of celebrating the goodness of God. 
of consecrating everything with the word of God and prayer, as St. Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, and acknowledging that every good and perfect gift that comes from heaven comes from the generous hand of God. And the enjoyment of those gifts is, is part of the praise, you know, that, that, uh, that God intends for us to enjoy these things. And I just thank God that he stuck our noses as close as he did to our mouths. <laughs> You know, so that when you drink a glass of wine, your nose is stuck in the glass too. There's good reason for this, you know. So, um, no, it's a great. It's it's really. There's a lot of it has to do with the food and certainly the word of God, and prayer for those of us who believe, and are priests to God. But but if you don't understand, if you don't, uh, if you don't enjoy the gifts, then you are not really praising the giver. I, I think I maybe shared this story before, but. Uh... My Wednesday morning Bible class, um, I, one of the old ladies there, I shouldn't say old ladies, one of the ladies there. Uh, Seasoned saints. Yes, the, uh, yes. Was, yes. She was the self-appointed snack and coffee czar after church. Ah. Nobody had appointed her to this. Nobody asked her. She just took it on herself and then would get frustrated when people would sign up to do it and then flake. And so she felt that it was all on her. Of course, no one else did. And, and I said, what would happen if we didn't have any cookies or coffee or juice after church? And one of the other ladies looked at me, and she's very frail and elderly, and she said, well, that's my favorite part. And I just kind of buried my head in my hands at that point. And, and, and it, you know, what about the word of God? What about the sacraments? What, uh, she no, comes for the cookies. Comes for the cookies and, and the fellowship afterwards, you know, the, the, yeah. the nice talking and all the rest. But isn't that kind of what the Lord calls us to is having some food and some fellowship with him? Well, the, you know, in the early church, the divine service and the, the, what was called the love feast or the agape, the kind of their version of a potluck, uh, was pretty much run together. Right. And so, so and it's like we said in the first segment, table fellowship with the Lord and table fellowship with one another were kind of a, a, like a seamless cloth. They were, they were one of the same thing or they were, they were tightly interwoven with each other. So that you, you didn't think in such categorical terms as, uh, you know, there's, there's a table fellowship with God and that's spiritual. And then there's our tables and that's the material stuff. You didn't, didn't think in those terms. And, and I think we would do well to recover uh, some of that. I, 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 think, I think there's, like you say, there's some truth in that. And so Thanksgiving to me is really a both and sort of day. It is, it is a, a family and a civil holiday and uh, kind of a day to kick back and uh, enjoy the company of family and good food and a great, you know, a true festive table. Uh, but it's also a, a holy day in the sense that these gifts are consecrated by the word of God and prayer um, as we acknowledge God as the giver and uh, as we also acknowledge Christ as the one who frees us to enjoy them. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things that has always kind of perplexed me and vexed me a little bit is this is a holiday that has been instituted by the state and yet is almost celebrated as a holy day in the church. And, well, I think, uh, you know, is is there a conflict there? Is it should it be one or the other or is it well, you know, okay for a both and? 
I think it illustrates how this, you know, we always kind of harp on the separation of church and state. And I think this is a, an example on the state side of how that separation is really a distinction uh, and not really a, a hard and rigid division. In other words, it's not that the, the, it's not that the state is agnostic or atheistic. Uh, but that the state just doesn't play favorites. The, the act of Congress that, that introduced Thanksgiving in 1941 uh, doesn't make any particularly Christian uh, proclamation, but it simply, um, it simply calls on Americans to assemble in their houses of worship and, and give thanks to God for the blessings he's bestowed on the land. Um, and that's not much different than what Paul writes uh, in in First Timothy, when he says that he desires that uh, holy men lift up hands in prayer, interceding for kings and for all in authority, uh, making intercessions and thanksgiving on behalf of all people. So mm. you know, I, I think that that fits. Uh, it doesn't say who should do it. It just basically said that we should all uh, kind of go to our respective houses of worship and and pray. I, I guess it's not that much different than. Uh... A president who might say, uh, um, you, you know, call on the church to gather for a, uh, a prayer service or something like that after 9-11. Or, right. you know, the, I, I guess it is perfectly appropriate for the state to turn to the church and say, uh, if you believe in God, this is a good time to uh, get busy here. You know, one of the images of the church um, as it exists in the world that the Bible paints is, is um, by analogy to the, the Israelites in exile in Babylon. Uh, so here they are in a foreign land, uh, refusing to worship the local civil deities and all of that, uh, but nevertheless told by God to make themselves at home, establish their homes and businesses, and, and basically make this strange land their own until the day that they return to the promised land. Hmm. And and the church is kind of like that. Is is that we, you know the church you know, church is not American, uh, it, but it, it does exist on American soil, and so it's right for us to pray for the well being of the nation in which we live, whatever that nation may be. Uh, for us, it's 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 America, but to pray for the nation, give thanks to God for the benefits He's bestowed on us. Um, I think we always have to be very careful to avoid the notion that we are God's chosen nation or yeah. a particular, uh, you know, that, that America serves some kind of unique Israelite purpose in, in history. Um, however, it's perfectly proper, I think, we as pilgrims and sojourners to, uh, to intercede and pray for and give thanks on behalf of the entire nation. Uh, because if we don't do it, who will? We, we have a dual citizenship. This is important for us to remember, that we aren't just citizens here on earth or just citizens in heaven. You know, we, we don't need to separate ourselves, but we have a citizenship and an obligation to both uh, this country and, and to our God. Well, I like to think of it, uh, the, the former as being kind of like a temporary visa, uh, you know, we are in the world, yet not of the world. We are, as uh, the Bible says, we're pilgrims, resident aliens, like the uh, Israelites were in Babylon. Uh, but this very much is our temporal home, and our fortunes are tied to the land and to the people of this country. And uh, we certainly, I think, have a duty and obligation uh, to uh, pray 
for and on behalf of uh, this country, to intercede as priests, which we are, sure. uh, before God for the well-being of the nation and for the people who live uh, within these borders, um, all the while recogni recognizing that our true citizenship, uh, you know, the passport that we carry is stamped in our baptism as child of God and citizen of heaven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's where we're headed. So this is really a temporary, uh, uh, this is a temporary situation as the Israelites in, in Babylon. Nonetheless, um, we are called upon to, to intercede for uh, the country, its government, and uh, the vocations that go on in the land. You know, this reminds me of, of John 1, where we have the word becoming flesh, and the word tabernacled among us, camped out with us. Uh -huh. Set up a temporary residence, and we who are in Christ, we we have our temporary residence here also, and but our permanent address is in heaven. Yeah, you remember that old hymn, that old spiritual hymn. You know, I'm but a stranger here. Heaven is my home. Right. Yeah. And you know, there's the sense that we are not home, and we know that, and yet we are um, very much like the Israelites in exile. We we are called to live in exile. Uh, trusting in the deliverance of God and recognizing that where we live is also a gift from God, uh, regardless of which nation this is. Uh, you know, certainly America is not uh, God's favorite or chosen nation in the same sense that Israel of the Old Testament was. Uh, but nonetheless, that uh, we enjoy the blessings and the benefits of the land and the people. And, uh, and so it's our duty to thank and praise God for, for these things that, that come to us. And so Thanksgiving, I, I think Thanksgiving is, is right-headed uh, in the way it, 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 we, we look at things, both in terms of feasting and in terms of, of you know, the prayers and supplications and Thanksgivings. Um, I, I think sometimes we get, uh, we drive into one ditch or the other on this. We either uh, say, you know, it's not about the food, it's not about the, the family, it's, it's all about God, it's spiritual. Um, or we just basically say it's all about food and drink and everything else and to heck with, uh, uh, you know, shoot off a quick prayer and we're done with it. And both of those really miss the mark. It's sort of both and, not either or. Yeah, and as I understand modern day liberalism, people are being taught uh, in the schools today that, Thanksgiving was not about giving thanks to God because there really isn't a God anyway. What Thanksgiving is really about is the pilgrim, the pilgrims, the pilgrims giving thanks to to the Indians for seeing them through these lean times and teaching them how to take care of themselves. And you know, because white Europeans are too stupid to do this on their own, and so we need people of color to fix us and. Uh, it's kind of interesting, you know, that you're, you're referring, I think, to that's the 1621, the so-called first Thanksgiving. Right. Yes. And uh, which, which apparently at some level, um, I mean, it, it, it happened. There's accounts of this, of the, uh, the Plymouth colony, uh, the settlers uh, uh, having a harvest feast after finally having a successful growing season. Right. And thanks to, and, I guess, thanks to the Indians. Uh, you yes. Know, you, you yeah, I learned something interesting. I learned something interesting in this article. Squanto, you know, who is a Pantuxet uh, Indian, uh, Native American, um, he taught the pilgrims how to catch eel. Uh, that's unagi for all you sushi fans, by the mm -hmm. way. Love, love, love unagi. Um, but it's got to catch eel and grow corn. And uh, he also served as interpreter. This guy knew English. Uh, because uh, he had apparently been enslaved in Europe and he traveled in England. Uh, who would have guessed that Squanto was global? 
<laughs> I mean, that just kind of blows me away. I, you know, you, you think of these guys as kind of wearing loincloths, you know, and being kind of running through the woods, you know. But, but I mean, this guy, this guy had done Europe. Yeah. And he spoke English. Man of the and, world. Yeah, no kidding. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you look at some of the documentation that goes with it, and uh, it, it has all the earmarks of, of a harvest festival. Um, and and you know the and one of the one of the accounts basically says although it is not always so plentiful as it has been at this time with us this year yet by the goodness of God we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty um, you know it's an acknowledgement when you know, when people live off the land uh, they get pretty religious because uh, there's not a lot of middlemen left. Uh, when you're plugging seed in the soil and praying for rain and sunshine in their due seasons, you know. And so uh, uh, I think there's more here going on than just th thanking Squanto for uh, teaching them uh, <laughs> agriculture. But uh, there's uh, also a thankfulness to God for sustaining them. And I, got I mean, the pilgrims, whatever you think of their theology, they, they were religious immigrants, you know, they were religious separatists who came to this country for religious reasons. And, uh, yeah, you can't, this revisionist history that tries to get religion out of everything is really doing a sad injustice to American history. I, I thought Matt Harrison was really interesting talking about these things. He, he, he brought up that, you know, as he's traveled to Kenya and to places that we could only imagine of, uh, when he comes back to America, he just laughs at how rich we are. And how rich our poor people are. And I've, I've gotten this from some of my friends, one in particular from India, who said that uh, in America, it's amazing that even our poor people are fat. They have cars and color TVs and air conditioners. <laughs> well, and yeah. Uh, the rich people in their is... lands have that, maybe. Poverty is is always relative, um, you know, and, and on the uh, on the world scale, uh, we certainly live luxuriously. That, that doesn't say that uh, people at the bottom of our scale live well or in a healthy fashion. You know, no. a, lot of, a lot of times because the, the reason that, that poor people are overweight is not for lack of food, but for a very poor diet Right. Um, that has, you know, way too much uh, of, of the stuff that makes you fat. Uh, it's what, one of the ironies is if you want to eat healthy, the, eating healthy <laughs> it can be costly. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It no. doesn't have to be. But, but uh, um, so, it, yeah, yeah, I, I know what he's saying, and, and, and I agree. I, I had that same experience when I came, came home from Siberia. Right, and, yeah. and the way I said it was I marveled at how they could do so much with so little. And I marveled also at how we do so little with so much. Well, I think that this is one of the reasons that our society has turned so atheistic also, is that we don't struggle for our life. We don't, we don't wake up this morning and say, gosh, you know, will I have a handful of rice? Mm. Or, you know, will I have food today? Uh, you know, the, we wake up and say, oh, my gosh, all that food in the fridge has gone bad. I have to throw it out and get more stuff, you know, and... <laughs> Well, and, and and maybe that sort of messes up our Thanksgiving in a sense too. I think uh, so. That uh, that feast, if you have had very little to eat for the last couple of months or so, that feast really looks like something you will never forget. Uh, whereas, you know, if you've been like me, I had a great breakfast and we had a really nice dinner yesterday and the day before and the day before. It's just one great meal that's followed another. Um, on the other hand. I think to wring your hands in guilt over that, 
in view of the world's poor is really doing an injustice to the gift. I, I believe that God would have you enjoy that, that bounteous Thanksgiving table and care for the poor as non-mutually exclusive activities. I agree. I, I agree. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I think that we tend not to be as thankful to God as we ought because we aren't really that much in want as a country. True. Yeah, yeah and to, I just want to round up the, the thought that I had is that, that our, our guilt, individual and collective, does not feed a single hungry person. No, it doesn't. You know, the, the misplaced guilt, I said, you know, this is why our eating is disordered, I think, is that we, we, we are just, mis, we, we, we have guilt slathered over everything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Son of God did not hang dead on a cross for us to feel guilty about every single piece of food and drink that we, we, we engage in, you know, or, or anything. Uh, and, and I think this, this idea that, that we feel guilty for having so much is really, uh, it's just bogus religion too. Uh, it, it, it's much simpler to say, hey, here's a person in need, let's do something about it. You know, when, when people grouse about the poor and say, you know, you could have fed the poor, it's like, well, let's do that, you know. Now go find some poor and do something about it. And, and uh, but uh, for some reason, I, I think it's it's easier just to feel guilty about it and then uh, sap all your fun, and you haven't fed a single hungry person. Yet. Yeah, yeah. By the same token, in the area where my church is, there's a lot of begging going on, and I notice that certain people have their corner, and they'll stand out there for six hours at a time, and they make a handsome living. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they make, but uh, you know, hey, you know, in the Bible, begging was was an acceptable vocation. Well, usually you were crippled or blind and obviously yeah, I mean, you, disabled, you know, kinda... not just you know dirty. <laughs> or... <laughs> that's that's I, I leave that between them and God. You know, quite, <laughs> quite frankly, you know, if they're if they're just being lazy or if they're ripping people off, then then you know, God's not. God, God's not happy when the poor are ripped off. That's the Bible's pretty clear about that. That the poor, uh, he looks out for them, and so I wouldn't want to be caught in the, on the side of somebody who's uh, scamming uh, money that should be going to the poor. That's not a good thing to do. No, where I used to live in Pasadena, right on the corner near my apartment, uh, there were a bunch of these guys I would hang out, and I'd sit there sometimes and just watch them. And uh, they they did okay, <laughs> not too bad. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah. I've heard yeah. If, if you got the right corner and you got the right approach, um, you can you can uh, actually do okay. Um, <laughs> I, I you know <laughs> there are better things to do with my life than that. So uh, I'm I wouldn't commend it. As a curiosity, that's all. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know that first Thanksgiving a long time ago was pretty amazing. That uh, these settlers had basically set up a communist collective that failed miserably and uh, a lot of free riders in this group and nobody really seemed to, you know, gather and store what they should have. And a lot of them starved to death that first winter. And uh, this Thanksgiving really makes sense when you look at it that way that, Boy, we few survivors have, uh, you know, managed to to survive this, and only by the grace of God and these nice Indians that came over and, and helped us out. Yeah. The end. <laughs> the end. That was a nice story. And and they ate lobster. 
<laughs> oh, yeah, you mentioned that before, the lobster. <laughs> lobster was not considered a good thing, huh? No, no. Uh, lobster was a poor people's food, and uh, in Connecticut, they made it illegal to give to prisoners more than, I think it was four times a week. It was, it was uh, inhumane. Inhumane. To give them boy, lobster. Boy, uh, you know, torture me, please. Lobster <laughs> Thermidor. For breakfast, it's Life's like a rough. violation of the Geneva Convention or yeah. something. Uh, that's a <laughs> Guantanamo Bay. You, you, you know, I'm sure we'd be in trouble. If we did. That. While we're talking, I'm kind of searching for um, uh, table prayers and Thanksgiving prayers. Uh, Robert uh, Farrar Capon, in his book *The Supper of the Lamb*, has, I think, one of the best. Uh, one of the best Thanksgiving prayers around, but unfortunately, I can't find it now. Um, I wish I wish I had it uh, had it handy, but but I remember it, it it ends with this delightful phrase of and plenty of corn and oil and wine. <laughs> but 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 it, it's this, it's this delightful prayer that that really embraces. Uh, the gifts of the first article, but in such a way that only the redeemed in Christ can do. Hmm. And, I, and I think that's what we really need to kind of see as Christians, is that, that Christ has freed us to enjoy the, the material world. I mean, Christ, you mentioned the word became flesh, you know. Christ has affirmed this material world by, by joining it, by, by becoming incarnate, enfleshed in it. And, and so, you know, the spiritual life is a material life. And uh, what goes on at your tables uh, you know, in the eating and the drinking and the, the fellowship that's there, there's, that's, that's very spiritual as well. And, uh, and, and so the redeemed in Christ are redeemed to embrace and enjoy and consecrate and bless and utilize all the gifts of the first article in thankfulness to God. You know, we are a Eucharistic people in the sense that we, we come from the Lord's Supper. Eucharist means to give thanks. We give thanks at the Lord's table, and we give thanks at our tables. Well, we're going to have to call it a day at that, and uh, we thank God for the ability to be here with you on the God Whispers. <laughs> and I'm going to take a big, long nap. <laughs> Sounds good. See you next time. Later. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that He's one who will never leave you flat Jesus is a friend of mine Jesus is my friend Jesus is a friend of mine I have a friend